My name is Rudy Kelly, and I am an herb original. I am chief. My dad was a great chief of the Simshan Nation, beloved by his people. But at home, with his family, he brought anger and pain. He told me that to succeed, I would have to leave everything behind. Now I'm on a journey to find out who and what my dad really was. The Herb Original is an all-new CBC podcast. Available now. This is a CBC podcast. Magazines come and go, but some, like old friends, are reliable and constant. And that has certainly been the case with Reader's Digest. For more than 70 years, it's been a small but mighty force in Canadian publishing. But now that is coming to an end. Its American parent company has announced that it will shut down the Canadian version of Reader's Digest in March of next year. Mark Pupo was the magazine's editor-in-chief until last September. Mark, good morning. Good morning, Matt. What was it like to hear that news? Not not the best day. Uh, I wouldn't think so. But, you know, but the but the company, you know, the the magazine industry is generally having a lot of trouble. So, and the mag and Reader's Digest has been shrinking over the years. So it was it was a it was a slow slow decline in many senses. But uh, yeah, it's not great news. There are many of us, I think, who are familiar with Reader's Digest in the doctor's office. You might find mm-hmm. it strange <laughs> to say in bathrooms across this country as well. What did what did oh, this yeah. mag what did this magazine mean to Canada? Do you think? Uh, it is so it's it's as you mentioned it's been around since the forties forty seven in Quebec forty eight through the rest of Canada and um, and it and it and it has one of the has and continues to have one of the largest readerships of, uh, of magazine brands and it I, I think what it means to a lot of Canadians is it has a is a very gentle vibe a very optimistic vibe it's a magazine that you turn to to be entertained but you know not. And and just to find something optimistic, interesting going on in the country, and it was and it, at its core, it was very Canadian. It was owned by uh, indirectly through to a, by the U.S. parent company, but it's always been uh, thoroughly, uniquely Canadian. Like Canadian stories being told to Canadians in many ways. Yes, very much. Yeah. And uh, you know, every cover had. I feel like when I was a kid, every cover had David Suzuki on it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> It was very, it was uniquely Canadian and more so than a lot of the international editions and that it generated a lot of its own stories. Um, More than 80% of every show I worked on uh, was written by Canadians, created for Canadians. What did it mean to you when you were growing up? Well, I found it originally, I think this is true of a lot of readers at my grandparents' place. Uh, I read it, I just kept reading it and I kept taking it and they had eventually just got me my own subscription because it was, I kept, uh, they were missing theirs. Uh, I I was amazed about the variety of stories in it. And it was, you know, it was just got me a, a sense of what was going on across the country. I sort of I feel like the ultimate Reader's Digest Canada story involves someone saving a baby from a grizzly bear in BC, finding a long lost twin, probably, you know, doing some some act of kindness along the way and also telling a lot of jokes. And eating um, something like, delicious. Oh yeah, for sure, yeah. and 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 also maybe providing a bit of practical advice about you know what what else you can do with a kitchen sponge. Part, um, I mean, part of it is also the size of the magazine, right? It's the mm-hmm. content, it's what's in it, but the, the the physical size and the fact that it was small meant mm-hmm. something, it, right? Yeah, it was portable. It was I when I, the years I was working there, I got a lot of letters from readers who just about you know how they they paid attention to the format because we would you know occasionally dealing with printers and whatnot, you have to sort of change things a little bit. And they noticed every little micro 
centimeter change, but it was it was something they could slip in in a bag and take with them. Uh, it was portable. It as as you mentioned, it was you know it's bound across uh, in waiting rooms around the country and. Uh, and it was just, it was very accessible, I guess is what it was, portable and accessible. Did that reflect the content that was inside, do you think? Portable and accessible. Yes. Um, and, you know, part of the mandate of the magazine is to, cap- to, to bring Canadians the best of Canadian journalism. So um, about half the content of the stories in the magazine are created original for the magazine. Maybe uh, another half or so we brought we brought in from other publications and would update and condense those stories and uh, make them, you know, that much more accessible to Canadians. So we would work with those journalists to update their stories. And it was actually, it was a great way to get Canada's stories out to the rest of the world, because those stories uh, that we brought in from there that we published would often get syndicated with the other Reader's Digest around the world. So they would get a sense of what's going on in Canada. There were really serious subjects that were covered over the course of the run of Reader's Digest in this country, right? Gosh, yeah. Uh, well, even in my in my few years there, um, we did a pr- pretty amazing, uh, a lot of amazing stories uh, about some very serious subjects, including uh, access to abortion in the in the Maritimes and how it was getting restricted uh, or just being made less accessible. Um, you know, they, they, I think we were one of the first uh, general big bigger magazines to sort of come out strongly and and about all the research that, that and reveal a lot of the research that was going into the effects of alcohol on the body and how really no, no, no amount of alcohol is really that safe uh, in the long term. Um, the Reader's Digest, the, the brand, the U.S. parent, uh, was one of the first magazines to come out strongly against um, cigarettes. Mm. Um, and they didn't, like, and they were so powerful back in the day, they didn't care about losing cigarette advertising. They, were, they just, they were like, there's nothing good about this. <laughs> so uh, they just, they could do that. And, and that's part of the, there's, there's a, a kind of advocacy to the magazine and it's, and it's, uh, I would not say it's, you know, left or right wing. It's more just improving people's lives. What do we lose just finally, do you think when this, when this shuts down, we have access to more information, it seems now than ever before. Mm-hmm. And yet, is it information? Is it something in between, you know, news and, I, and, and just things that come out of the, the fire hose? What do we lose right. when, when something like this disappears? I think it, it's provided a sense of community. It was, a, it was it had that reputation as a grandparents magazine, but it was shared among families. It was shared among communities. It was in a way. I, I in my years working there, I kept hearing from new Canadians, new immigrants to Canada about how it was their introduction to Canada. So it provided a kind of um, a good good sense of how how we are all in this together. And I'm not sure the sort of fragmented, um, you know, broken out um, niche qualities of reading stories uh, through through social media and whatnot, it really sort of provides that same sense of community. That it was, it had that and it was still relevant even to this mm-hmm. day. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, and fun, I would say. <laughs> like, the, like in the, we did it, one of my last issues was the 75th anniversary issue. And uh, we asked writer, readers, long-term readers, and just sent in like their stories about how they found the magazine, what it meant to them. Mm. Um, and there were so many sweet letters <laughs> and, uh, and about you know, sort of passing it around the family. But the funny thing was, like, there, a lot of them, a lot of readers remember the jokes more than anything. Um, and one one reader reminded me of how we, uh, like, there was a lot of wordplay in the magazine. Mm-hmm. And, one, and one term that she was really fond of was uh, musquirt, which is uh, the liquid that comes out of a mustard bottle before you shake it. Musquirt. 
Yeah. Duly noted. So, yeah. <laughs> useful. So useful practical information. I have written it down on a post-it note in front of me. Mark, thank you very much. Take care. Thanks. Mark Pupo was the editor-in-chief of Reader's Digest Canada until last September. He's the author of the book, Sundays, A Celebration of Breakfast and Family and 52 Essential Recipes. As you heard, Reader's Digest Canada will be shutting down as of next year. Your memories of the magazine. Do you have copies tucked away somewhere in a box, under the bed, in the attic, wherever? Um, How did you find it? And what did it mean to you? You can email us, thecurrent, at cbc.ca. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.